Victoria Island. Victory for Canada. Okay, so welcome. Welcome to our next Big Thing podcast. Um, my name is Perushko Gopalkista. And then today joining me is activist and leader for the future of Hong Kong's democracy, Joshua Wong. Joshua, thank you so much again for joining me today. Thank you. No problem. Um, okay, so... You know, at the age of 15, I'm, I'm kind of thinking back, you know, in your earlier protests as well, in your earlier life. At the age of 15, you know, you organized a protest mobilizing at least 100,000 people, um, this being one of your earlier protests in, in your life as well. Um, so as a 15-year-old, um, what were some of the thoughts going through your mind at the time? Uh when I was at the age of 15, we realized how uh, Beijing continued to erode on the future of Hong Kong, especially they wish to impose their brainwashing education school curriculum to uh, silence, the, uh, silence the voice of a young generation. That's the reason for us to join the fight. Uh, okay, so for my, for my other question about you know, gathering these um, 100,000 people at the age of 15, how did that sort of, um, uh, you know, did, did, that, did that feel like a sense of accomplishment to you, you know, seeing these people or, or this huge amount of people? Uh, the threat could not defeat us, make us even stronger determination. When Beijing decided to brainwash the next generation in Hong Kong, instead of expecting uh, upper-class elites or elderly that graduated from high school for a few decades to speak up for us, it's time for us to take action because actions speak louder than words. And mm -hmm. that's the starting point for me to engage in street activism. Hmm. And, um, you know, since 2014, you've been arrested um, at least eight times, jailed at least three times. Do you think this has an impact on the younger generation who want to get involved, you know, the way you do, but they're afraid of imprisonment by the Hong Kong police? Uh, even they can lock up my body, which doesn't mean that they can lock up my mind. And uh, how we overcome the fear and the threat, that's always the challenge. And I hope to encourage more millennials and Gen X uh, continue the fight. And uh, no matter they live in Hong Kong, in Asia, or in the Western world, they could also be the one that care about the society, uh, try to make change. And uh, always, I encourage people to realize, uh, be the change you want to see if you recognize yourself as a citizen. Mm. Um, and then also at the age of 17 in 2014, um, you were part of, of the Umbrella Movement. Um, can you quickly explain the significance of the Umbrella Movement? Uh, Umbrella Movement is the first protest in Hong Kong with civil disobedience and also uh, first time for Beijing authorities decided to fight here against two as protesters. Uh, and that's why we hold an umbrella to protect ourselves and name it as Umbrella Movement. Uh, even which is a bit... Um, uh, 
long time ago, which is already six years ago. But I think uh, Umbrella Movement is also a starting point for uh, how students uh, that belong to the new generation engage in political struggle. Hmm. And at the age of seventeen, how did you how did you go about planning such a such a big movement or the Umbrella Movement? Uh, uh, no matter high school student or university student, we put our effort, uh, hope to uh, push forward the class boycott, and we also wish the world uh, to pay attention to us. And no matter uh, scholar, professor, uh, lawmaker, activist, uh, student uh, in university or high school, we always uh, wish to make some of the differences and also uh, put pressure on the government especially uh, when Hong Kong is the uh, international city. So uh, if uh, a greater city just like New York or London, people can elect the mayor. So why can't Hong Kong? The only reason behind is Beijing ignore their promise. Hmm. And um, two days, actually two days before the Umbrella Movement, you were arrested and unreasonably detained. At the time of your arrest, um, what what do you think this indicated about the Hong Kong police enforcement and the Hong Kong government as well? The first time for me to be arrested at the age of 17, uh, which is unreasonable for them to detain me for all, uh, more than two days. And uh, that's also the first time for me to be locked up in prison because of the uh, protests uh, during the uh, umbrella movement in 2014. Uh, I would say that how the police brutal crackdown, uh, which is really insane, and also implying that how they are not trying to solve the question, but just wish to silence the voice of the one who raised the question. But it also just triggered and mobilized more and more people uh, to the street to result and enhance the tremendous change. Hmm. So, so in 1997, um, One Country, Two Systems was a promise made to ensure that Hong Kong can have their own political system and essentially their own voice for, for 50 years. Um, so I want to ask you, what do you think the point of the system was? Uh, as we all know that one country, two system is eroded to be one country, one system. Uh, yesterday is Xinjiang, today is Hong Kong, tomorrow is Taiwan. It's how Beijing... Uh, try to continue the crackdown and turn Hong Kong not to be the international city, but just integrate into mainland China. Hmm. And you know, we're we're here now. You know, we're here twenty twenty three years later. Um, do you think this is going to take another twenty three years for for Hong Kong or you know or China to stand in sol in solidarity with its people? Uh, we hope to enhance the global solidarity and also the unity of people in Hong Kong. Uh, even there's lots of difficulties and uncertainty, uh, no matter uh, how in Hong Kong, such a place with only seven million population, where more than 10,000 people were arrested already. And uh, in uh, the global community, uh, with the outbreak of the COVID-19 export from mainland China to the world, it also led the world to learn a lesson to realize how China showed no respect on liberal value and international order. So with this kind of fear, threats and uncertainty, uh, I think it's important for us to have more mutual understanding in the global community. Hmm. Um, and you said, you know, in, a, in another interview I was watching, you said that um, since the president of China, um, Xi Jinping, came into power, his handling of the Hong Kong protests has been more of a 
totalitarian approach. Um, could you explain what you meant by this? Uh, one day is still Xi Jinping to rule Hong Kong and China. I see no possibility for Hong Kong to have democracy. And uh, with the constitutional amendment, how many years or decades will Xi Jinping still be the leader of China? That's also uncertain at all. And that's not President Xi and that's Emperor Xi. But even with this kind of tremendous threat, I think which is really important uh, for us to keep on the fight. And um, just like no one expect Berlin Wall will fall before, before 1989, but finally it happened. So how to uphold our courage and determination that's the challenge that we take. Hmm. I just that that was going to be my next question as well because you got you you were briefly criticized for comparing the Hong Kong protests to the Cold War in, in Berlin, Germany. Um, why specifically that that comparison? Why make that comparison um, from Hong Kong to Berlin? Uh, Hong Kong is the global city that gathers people stand in the forefront to confront the largest authoritarian regime, which is similar to what's happened in Berlin in last century. Some of the scholar or expert might uh, uh, describe Hong Kong as the New East Berlin or New West Berlin. But no matter uh, uh, which kind of analysis, I think it's important to let people to realize that under the tension of uh, the Western world and China, no matter with the Belt and Road Initiative, the Xinjiang concentration camp, or the 5G state-owned enterprise, Huawei technology uh, discussion, uh, how Hong Kong really takes the unique role uh, to let people to get attention to it. Hmm. So, you know, you've, you've been an activist now for years, and you've also played a strong role in Hong Kong's politics and democracy as well. What what do you say to people who, who say you don't have the typical experience, especially as a politician, to be involved in politics? What what do you say to that? Uh, people might say that I'm not experienced enough, but uh, with the primary election in the pro-democratic camp within the summer, I received the mandate of the people, and it already legitimized the public support on me. And I think for pro-democratic camp in Hong Kong, we obtain almost 80% of the supporting rates in the society. So uh, Hong Kong people always gather the consensus to wish to ask for democracy and freedom and not being interfered by Beijing. But now is Beijing continue to silence our words. So, you know, it's clear that, that you're fighting for a free election. You know, you, you want the Hong Kong government to allow um, Hong Kong people to, to vote and to have their own voice. I, you know, I read in, in one of the comments actually that uh, from a recent interview that you did, um, someone had said that that you don't really represent you don't represent the whole of Hong Kong, but only a certain um, generation or a certain um, only a small part of Hong Kong. How do you how do you respond to that? What 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 do you say to that? Uh, what we ask for is free election and to stop the police brutality and to end the political prosecution. And according to the survey conducted by the University uh, of Hong Kong, and uh, it already implied that uh, we have the massive support uh, for more than 70% uh, of people uh, to stand on our side. And on last November, during the district council election, 85% of the seats won by pro-democratic camp, which already implied that how Hong Kong people deserve democracy and how uh, the silence majority stand on the side of fellow protesters. Mm. Do you think, you know, do you, from your standpoint, do you think there's a divide amongst the ideologies between the younger generation and the older generation of Hong Kong? 
I see the solidarity of old generation and young generation. Uh, no matter that they belong to uh, which age group, they are also going to stand on the side of protester and also upholding those universal values. And where, where do you stand? Where do you stand amongst the Hong Kong's demographic? Like, where, where do you see yourself standing within, within the demographic? Uh, in Hong Kong, uh, six years ago during the umbrella movement, we still assume that young generations support democracy and old generation keeps silence. But I think since the protest, two out of seven million population took to the street on last summer within the same day to ask for democracy. And uh, the youngest arrested person in Hong Kong at the age of 11, the oldest one at the age of 84. It already implied that no matter uh, young generation or old generation, we stand as one and also uh, having a consensus instead of polarization. So, you know, the, the Hong Kong election is postponed until next year because they, they were saying because of the, the COVID-19. Um, so earlier this year, you said before the upcoming election, you said to maximize, you hope to maximize public support and to enjoy another landslide victory again in the Legislative Council. Do you still stand by that and why? Um, I think it's unreasonable to postpone the election for more than a year just because of the excuse of the COVID-19 and uh, how uh, Hong Kong government take advantage from the outbreak of the coronavirus, which is crystal clear. But if elections still exist, uh, no matter how of the political censorship, I believe the votes of people will already show that our protest votes recognizing and implying our voice and our determination. Hmm. And you know, with the with the postponing of the election, do you think this gives you more time um, to amplify your demands and to amplify your voice to continue fighting? Uh, with the landslide support and the consensus of Hong Kongers, I see no reason to postpone or cancel the election. And if they could use the excuse of COVID-19 to postpone the election for at least a year, uh, uh, in 2021, they could use, also use another excuse to postpone the election. So I would recognize as kind of de facto cancel of the election. And, you know, lastly, what, what do you think still needs to be changed within Hong Kong's democracy and, and why? Uh, I hope uh, Beijing could listen to the voice of the global community and Hong Kongers, how we keep on the fight and we deserve democracy. And I think for the civil society have been strengthened since last summer. And uh, even Hong Kong now is under the humanitarian crisis and the nightmare. It seems that time is running out in Hong Kong already. But uh, no matter how's the outcome, uh, when Hong Kong is gathered with our sense of belonging to the hometown, we will still keep on the fight. Mm. Well, Joshua Wong, I really want to thank you again for your time. Um, I really appreciate you talking to me today. And I, and I you know, we're, we're watching for you and we're watching for what's going on in Hong Kong. Um, thank you again for your time. We, I really appreciate you today. Thank you.